Jockey Harry Bentley has ridden in England, Group 1 winner there, America, Canada. The Middle East is a six-time champion in Qatar. He's joining us today on the Asian Racing Report podcast. Welcome to the show, Harry. Thanks for having me. What I want to talk about is that experience that you've had. You're only 31 and you've ridden all around the world in such various places with big differences between surfaces and tracks. And now you're in Hong Kong. What What is it that makes Hong Kong racing unique for a jockey? I think there's lots of things that make Hong Kong unique. Um, one of the things would be that you're riding against the same people um, every race meeting, um, dealing with the same trainers every race meeting. Um, what I'd be used to at home in the UK is going to different tracks every single day, um, riding for a vast array of trainers against different jockeys day in day out whereas here it's very much the same pool um you can't afford to burn any bridges not that you can anywhere in the world but uh, or in any walk of life but uh, very much so here and um i guess racing two days a week is another thing that i've haven't been used to in any, any other jurisdiction um so there are many factors those are the couple that would probably stand out um and yeah i mean it's 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 a long fairly repetitive season where you've got two race courses and um yeah usually your wednesday happy valley sunday shot in as we all know so yeah it's um it's different but uh you get very used to those two courses just on the two meetings per week i guess people from outside look at it and with the multitude of racing in other jurisdictions, Australia and, and in England, it's day in, day out and a real grind. And they think, oh, well, they only race twice a week in Hong Kong. It must be easy. What are the challenges of racing only twice per week? Well, I would say there's that would be a massive misconception. And perhaps I had that same thought process when I came here. I thought two days racing a week, um, that's going to be quite easy. But it's kind of far from that, actually. You've got... Not only have you got the racing on, say, Sunday, then you've got your entries to, to think about on the Monday. Um, you'll have barrier trials twice a week on a Tuesday and a Friday. Um, and then again, racing on, on the Sunday. But we're booking our own rides. So you're constantly working a long way ahead. Um, it's not a matter of entries come out, you find your rides, and that's what you've got for the up and coming race meetings. You're, you're doing entries and searching for rides and asking for rides a long, long way in advance. You know, I could be asked or booked on a horse at least six weeks before. So you're constantly um, trying to look into the future, what what races horses might go for and so on and so forth. But um, there's a lot more to it than just racing two days a week. Um, I always would tell people that riding in the UK or other jurisdictions where you're racing every single day is physically very demanding. Um, and it's as a bit of burnout, I guess, whereas Hong Kong is mentally demanding. Um, it's obviously got its physical side to it as well, but mentally you're on the ball the whole time and you can't afford to switch off. The intensity of the racing, particularly at Happy Valley and knowing all of the other jockeys, I'm imagining that knowing the small pool of, of jockeys and knowing where each other in a is in a race, perhaps being able to identify where your chances are, perhaps even horses, it's a limited pool of horses too. Maybe you've ridden the horse. Does that add a element of intensity to the actual contest, tactically perhaps? I guess so. Um, you know 
what jockeys like to do or how they usually ride a race. So you take that into account. Um, you end up knowing the horses extremely well because you're seeing them racing week in, week out. Um, so you might know, you know, which horses are going to go to the front or which horses are going to be ridden aggressively or not. So on, on the other hand, and yeah, it adds another layer to it. Um, you have a good idea of, and the longer you're here, you sort of work out those idiosyncrasies of the tracks and horses and jockeys. So you get more of an understanding of it as time goes on. Speaking of idiosyncrasies and, and tracks, Happy Valley might be one of the most unique, you know, big race jurisdiction tracks in the world in terms of its shape, its size, its small. Tell me about riding Happy Valley when you first got there, what you expected, and then did it match the what it looked like on the screen? Yeah, well, um, having watched it at home, um, you can only get so much of an idea of what a race course is going to ride like. Um, it definitely was different to what I expected. Um, having said that, when I moved to Hong Kong, I did a three-week um, hotel quarantine and my room looked over Happy Valley Race Course. So I think after those three weeks, I had a good idea of what it was going to be like. Um, was there racing going at the time? There was. So there you was a few race meetings from up in the Crown Plaza. Yeah, from the, exactly from the Crown Plaza. I could I missed the bottom bend, so that was a that was a, a news to me when I first got there. But most of the course I could see from my room, and uh, yeah, it's definitely different to what I had expected in some ways. Um, I didn't realise from the TV that there was a a dip and an uphill rise on the back straight. Um, I knew it was going to be tight, which it most certainly is. But I think one of the real standout things of not just Happy Valley, but you could put Chartin into this as well, that the rail position really changes the track and it changes the track biases. And that's something that I really had to learn and know that when the rail is on the C plus three and then when the rail is on the A course, they may as well be racing at two different circuits. Um, they've got different biases and um, that's something that has to be learned and you can only do that by being in the races. Yeah, learning that yeah, Happy Valley C plus three is is a different track to and different way of thinking to Happy Valley A rail yep. on the inside. What are, what is it that is unique about your what you need to do? What's the most important thing as a jockey at Happy Valley if you were telling someone that was coming in for the first time and you're saying, look, you've got to do this at Happy Valley? Well, a few things. One of them at all costs try not to be stuck wide um especially on the c plus three easier said than done and um, i'm sure we'll touch on this later that you know from watching on the tv um you could sort of scream at people saying why you sat there but jockeys won't give you an inch here and um if they can post you wide they will so um that would be one thing i would say try and get as close to that rail as you possibly can and then um, another thing is, uh, I guess, pace. It's, it's quite pace favouring. Um, having said that, you've got to watch the races as they go by and work out, is there any bias? Where are the horses coming from? Um, are they winning from the front? Are they coming up from off the pace? So that's something that you have to be on the ball and you have to quickly analyse what's going on throughout the course of the night. You mentioned people screaming at the TV and maybe some criticism. What is, what is it that you feel when you get a critique of your rides or maybe you see on social media someone making a, a statement about a, 
what they perceive to be a poor ride. What, what is it that you would wish people knew about actually riding in races that you think people misunderstand? Well, first and foremost, I think we're there to be shot at. Um, and I'm open to critique um, in whatever way that may be, because when you're a sportsman, you're going to get criticised and uh, analysed. Um, so I'm I'm all for that, and that's absolutely fine. Um, what I would say to people is that nobody, well, everyone is out for themselves in a race, and uh, no one's just going to let you in and usher you through. So going back to say what I was saying about being posted three wide, no one wants to be three wide, but if you're drawn wide and you try and gain a position and no one's letting you in, well, then there's not much you can do about that unless you push to go forward or pull back and go last. Uh, and that might not be the right thing for the horse to do. So there are lots of aspects at play. But also I would say that in a race where you might have, for example, 12 runners, you've got 12 horses' brains, 12 jockeys' brains, um, and there's a lot at play there. Um you might want to go forward, but there might be six of you that also want to go forward or six of you that want to sit handy. And so that position can only be had by one. And uh, I would just, yeah, I would probably just say to people that we don't want to be in the wrong position or in a bad position or, or what have you. But when you've got so many people trying to do the same thing, um, it's, uh, there's always going to be winners and there's always going to be losers. So, uh you just go out there and try to do the best you can for your trainer, owner, horse. Um, sometimes it goes to plan, sometimes it doesn't. And uh, when it doesn't, you'll try and improve for next time. But just the way of the world um, can't always go can't always go your way. Yeah, are you hearing much advice from the fans here in Hong Kong over the fence? Not really. I mean, uh, you get a you get a little bit of stick, but uh, nothing. I'm not used to from being at home. Um, I want to talk about your riding in Qatar and the Qatar Racing and Equestrian Club, six-time champion there. I mean, it's still a, even though it's a, an established jurisdiction, professional racing, I guess there's a lot of unknown um, in terms of, because it's not a, a, a betting jurisdiction as such. So w what about the future of racing in Qatar? Tell us about racing in Qatar, its future and how you feel about it. Yeah, well, Qatar has been somewhere very close to my heart for obvious reasons. I sp spent, well, I actually never lived in Qatar, to be honest. I always lived in Dubai and worked and raced in Dubai during the weekends. And then I'd fly out and ride on the Wednesday and Thursday, as they've only got two race meetings a week as well. Um, but uh, I hold it very dear to my heart. It was a place that was very good to me. Um, I won an awful lot of races round our Ryan track and um, had some big winners as well. As you allude to, there's no betting there being a Middle Eastern Muslim country. Um, but the country itself is extremely wealthy and I would say passionate about the horse and horse racing. And so there's an awful lot of support there to build it and make it into uh, a better racing jurisdiction. And I think it's definitely going places and it has been for a good good while now. They've bought some good horses at the sales. They continue to spend good money and that leads to better quality of racing. And when it comes to their big meeting in February, 
which I rode at this year as well, um, it's attracting a better quality of horse. And I only see that going one way. Tell me about your future here in Hong Kong, aspirations, your goals uh, going forward. Well, as with any jockey, I mean, I want to do as best as I can um, for as long as I can. And uh, make no secret, Hong Kong is a difficult place um, for any jockey. It's competitive and um, I want to keep building on what foundations I've made so far. So I've this is I'm entering my well, third full season here now. And uh, I just want to keep on improving uh, season on season. And uh, I'd like it to be a, a long-term thing. Um, you know, I don't see this as a flash in the pan. I want to really make a good go of it and sink my teeth into it. So hopefully Hong Kong is going to be home for a good while yet and um, some, some good days to come. Thanks for joining us, Harry. Good luck for the rest of the season. Pleasure. Thank you.